This podcast is brought to you by Watch City Research, your user research partner. Check out WatchCityResearch.com for insightful blog posts and to learn more about our UX research services. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the 97 UX Things podcast. Dan Berlin here, your host and book editor. I'm joined this week by Julia Cowing, who wrote the chapter Plan User Research with the Customer Question Board. Welcome, Julia. Hi, Dan. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Love to. My name is Julia Cowing. I am a user researcher, a user experience researcher, and I live in Manhattan. Uh, currently, I work at InVision, which is in the visual collaboration space, uh, including design prototyping and virtual whiteboards. Uh, before InVision, I was at Google, MailChimp, and a couple of companies in the financial industry, including Bloomberg and Citibank. That's uh, that's quite the career trajectory. That's that's interesting. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Um, how did you discover UX, and how did you wind up where you are today? I definitely took the scenic route. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> I I got my bachelor's degree in chemistry, and a master's degree in digital media. So it it all makes sense from a bird's eye view. Um, in undergrad with chemistry, I was really interested in the composition of things and how things get broken down and consumed by people. But I also had an interest in visual communication, which led me to a graduate degree in digital media. I didn't know it at the time, but I was basically creating the perfect combo of science and art. Um, so what I do now as a user researcher is I break visual things down to see how people consume design and how they understand things. Yep, break visual things down. I like that. Great, and, and uh, tell us about your, you said you, you're a researcher. Where do you tend to focus your research, if at all? Qualitative uh, user research methodology, um, mm -hmm. either foundational or evaluative. Yep, are there particular research uh, techniques or methodologies that you like? Yeah, I, I definitely like the jobs to be done method uh, for foundational research and for evaluative research. Uh, there's nothing like usability testing. Um, right. I think we need to know it like the back of our hands. Agreed. Um, why uh, jobs to be done? What do you like about that? I think jobs to be done helps people to zoom out and think about customer problems divorced of solutions, so being solution mm. agnostic. And when we do this type of foundational work, um, we don't have to do it too often because people's problems don't change very much. Their core purposes really don't change much over time. So rigorous foundational research, uh, we don't have to do that all the time, but we do yeah. need to do evaluative research. Great, well, thanks for that. Um, your chapter. Plan user research with the customer question board. Can you tell us about that, please? Love to. Uh, so it provides a step-by-step -step method for figuring out what to do next in a way that's inclusive of everyone on your team. Um, alignment, prioritization, and transparency are so key in healthy, high-performing teams. And this method is all about like rowing in the same direction as well as setting up research insights to be more impactful. Mm-hmm. So what it is, is um, the question board is a two by two whiteboard, physical or virtual, with questions that a team has related to the customer, 
or the customer experience. And the questions are plotted into four different quadrants, and these quadrants each have suitable research methods for the questions uh, based on opposing characteristics, qual versus quant, and attitudinal versus behavioral. So uh, in seven simple steps, you can do this. <laughs> yep. Uh, with the first step being, you know, send out a calendar invite to a group of people with different functional expertise. Um, you know, a cross-functional group is always best uh, to get a more, you know, well-rounded collective brain. And, mm -hmm. and that calendar invite um, explaining what the, the workshop will be about. This will be a collaborative session to figure out what research we need to do next. So we could prioritize our backlog bring your top five questions about the user or user experience. And this invite is already setting up the workshop and starting the prioritization muscle. Yes, we have a lot of questions, but what are your top five? I, I right. think that forced prioritization really does work. Those questions that people bring, do you give them any guidance on the types of questions they should be bringing or do you see any patterns there? I think very similar to the crazy eight brainstorming uh, in collaborative design uh, methods, it is more like, what are your top five questions? And forcing mm -hmm. um, team colleagues to, to, to really understand what's really blocking them and, and not being um, worried about grammar or, or you know, spelling or whatever. It's just plotting those five questions down so that everyone is able to um, figure out uh, what they really need to, to, to answer so that they could do a great job at their job. Yep. Yep. Okay. So you have the calendar invite, um, telling them about the questions. What, what comes next? Yeah. For step two and three, um, I'll talk about them together on the day of the collaboration, have everyone put their five questions on five different sticky notes. Um, then have one person start the discussion. Uh, that first person, places their five notes in a central area and explains why these questions are important to answer. Um, then, uh, you know, grabbing from the KJ method, uh, everyone who feels they have similar questions puts their sticky notes next to those first five. Um, and then next person talks about their questions not yet discussed. They put their note in a central area and everyone with similar questions places their notes next to that and so on and so forth, round robin until everyone has voiced their questions. So at the end, there should be a few question clusters that you can name if you want with short titles or you don't have to. And so, you know, by doing this real-time affinity mapping, the team sees how they are all asking the same things, but in different ways. And, and the team starts seeing the mutual data that's needed for everyone to do their job well. Yep. And it sounds like you are putting uh, similar questions together, but you're not categorizing them quite yet. Correct. That's right. Uh, why that first step? What helps with that first step? It really helps the team to align and see what's on each other's minds. And so it's that collective brain, the collective um, process of, of clustering together so that um, a lot of questions being asked are very similar with each other. Hmm. 
It is always eye-opening when you realize that your coworkers have the same questions as you. And that can be really helpful for a design. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the KJ method. Um, can you fill us in on that? Yeah. Um, the KJ method, Christine Perfetti and uh, um, Jared Spohl talk about it. It's really, um, it's a, a, a Japanese researcher um, uh, discovered it, and it's all about like a quiet synthesis of data that a group can do. Uh, so first doing it quietly, it's the um, diverge uh, method and then converge discussing why people um, put different uh, concepts together in different clusters and then that mm -hmm. cadence of diverging and converging you get to um, better uh, alignment behind the affinity mapping yeah interesting thanks for that what, com what comes next so you have your affinity map of questions what's what's the next step there yeah, um, so next in, in preparing for step four and five, you wanna create a two by two grid with an X axis and a Y axis to get four quadrants. And so for the X axis, label it attitudinal on the left and behavioral on the right. And on the Y axis, label it qualitative on the top and quantitative on the bottom. So the idea behind step four is that you want to take one question cluster at a time and ask the team, is this a saying or a doing question? Do we want hmm. people to answer this question by asking them, either verbally or in written format? Or do we want to see what their actions are about, you know, what they are doing? And so for asking saying questions, put the clusters anywhere in the middle of the left two quadrants. And, you know, these are attitudinal questions. For seeing action doing questions, uh, put those clusters anywhere on the right two quadrants. These are yep. behavioral questions. Attitudinal versus behavioral is something that comes up a lot in mm -hmm. UX. Uh, and I like the way that you just described it about saying or doing, but can you tell us a little bit more about the difference between these two for, for folks who may not have run into this before? Yeah. Um, people don't always say, uh, people don't always do what they say. And they might, they might, may not know this. And uh, a good example is, I could tell you that I'm on a diet. <laughs> I want to lose weight. I want to exercise. Right. But if you watch me, <laughs> You'll see that, you know, I'm hand to mouth munching, I'm not jogging, I'm not doing exercise. And so it is this attitude that might not always be uh, aligned with the, the actions. And this is data, you know, we want to know both. Yep. Yep. Understanding what they're saying, but not doing and, and understanding exactly what they're doing. Right. Yep. All right. We got we have the affinity diagram, and we're starting to move them out into behavioral versus attitudinal, um, or qualitative versus quantitative. Can you tell us a bit more about that and and the next step here? Right. At this point, you should have clusters on the left, which is attitudinal, and on the right, which is behavioral. And so, in step five, in the ver in the same manner, ask the team: Is this question cluster about insights? because we're in the beginning of the software development life cycle and we just need to start somewhere? 
or is it about validating the insights? We need, you know, a larger sample size. These are questions um, usually around how often is something happening? Hmm. So for insights, uh, those are clusters um, that should belong in the top two quadrants, depending where the cluster uh, was left or right. So these are qualitative questions. And for how often is something happening type questions, uh, put those clusters on the bottom two quadrants, and these are quant questions. So now you have those four uh, groups of questions in the four different quadrants. And step six is voting. Have everyone yep. vote for their top cluster. They want answered. What, what answers will help them get unblocked the most? And then finally, step seven is choosing the best quadrant method. Uh, the top left quadrant is qualitative attitudinal methods where you only need small sample sizes. So interviews, field studies, um, contextual inquiries, jobs to be done are methods, are types of methods. And the top right quadrant is also qualitative with small sample sizes, but these methods are to understand user behaviors, their actions, what they're doing, uh, because what people say is not necessarily what they do. Um, and then the bottom left quadrant is attitudinal, but with larger sample sizes. So surveys would fit in this bucket. And if we partner with market research, you know, uh, this would be a good time to partner with them to do these to to do these studies. And the bottom right quadrant is behavioral, but with larger sample sizes. So analyzing usage stats um, or A/B testing would be methods here. And we want to partner with product analytics. Do people have trouble with the qual versus the quant or the, the insights versus the validation when you're describing that at all? I think that to check where people are in the software development lifecycle, SLDC, it helps to understand what methods to, mm. to, to make to make sure that you're doing the right method. So usually in the beginning phases, it, it is more qual. And towards uh, you know um, the end of the SLDC life cycle, it is more quantitative. Yep. What are some of those quantitative methods um, that are on your mind? You mentioned surveying, but anything else uh, quantitative that people can use? Well, you could also do usability testing in a quantitative manner. So um, mm. do, doing large scale usability testing, um, doing um, you know, experimentation like uh, fake door experimentation, uh, you know, A-B testing or multivariate testing helps yep. or beta testing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how about alignment? So we started off this conversation of that this type of activity will help get people in alignment. Can you tell us about that? How does this activity get people on the same page in terms of the design trajectory? Yeah, I, I love that question because alignment is so important in order to make sure that everyone um, is understanding the prioritization and there's transparency in, in the research roadmap. So um, alignment is, uh, you know, figuring out the type of data that's needed, you know, and, and how representative you want the data to be. be. Uh, and then 
and then there systematically finding out what the research method is. So like design, you know, research never ends. Mm -hmm. So the team shouldn't think about like this being this one-time thing. Ideally, you want to do all four quadrants, you know. It, it's always just a matter of how much time and resources that the team has available to collect the data and how confident they want to be. So we always want to seek, you know, congruence in data collected from different means. And the more we're, everyone is able to see the data and to, to collect the data and plan together, the more aligned everyone will be. It's setting up research so that there's more impact right. in the insights. Yeah, absolutely. And mixed methods are a big conversation these days in terms of doing the right type of method at the right time. As you said, insights uh, in the beginning and validation uh, later on. Um, so this is a wonderful way of really giving people a way to uh, make that actionable, make that mixed, me mixed methods actionable. Definitely. I, I like the way you said it. Uh, action being actionable, I think, is very important so that everyone can pull together and know what to be done. Yep. And you mentioned just now something that came up earlier um, in my mind about time. So one of the first things that came to mind when you started talking about which method to choose is a big factor, and that is not only where are we in the project timeline, but what, how much time and budget do we have? How does that fit into your conversation? It's, yeah, it, I think it's a big part of figuring out which method in that quadrant you, you can do. You know, is there a one-person researcher on your team that could do it, or can the whole team be able to collect the data together and synthesize together? Mm -hmm. You know, how much time do you need? Do you need it scrappy, or do you need it more rigorous? Um, so the collaborative planning part, um, I think it's very culture-changing, It's too, because you just want to do it in a cadence. It's always about early is better early and frequent is better yep. than like having these huge studies um, that takes up too much time. Absolutely. And then you realize that your design trajectory is way off and then you're, you're in trouble. Uh, it's all about early and often. Outcomes. Let's talk about outcomes here. So we've run this, uh, this workshop with coworkers and we're looking to get alignment and we have all these questions out on the table. How do we come to consensus and have an outcome from this workshop? I think a big part of the customer question board, it, the outcome is to get everyone um, changing into a learning mode. Mm. So the more we get into learning by doing and um, understanding that we need to triangulate the data, that is strategic in itself, is just um, steering the ship to, to change the culture in that way. Yeah. Uh, because the more we're able to you know, triangulate the data and see congruence in the data, the more confident we are in product direction. So that is a great outcome, is, is confidence. You know, taking confidence of how the team feels about the roadmap uh, is, is an outcome if it does improve because of the research. Yep because of, of the workshop and the research planning. Are there typical outputs from the workshop that you have? Um, so you mentioned the roadmap uh, in terms of what the design roadmap will be, but are there other um, outputs that you have from the workshop? Each of the quadrants um, has different research methodology, and each of those re research methodologies 
do have outputs. So let's just say jobs to be done, if that's something that um, came out of the workshop uh, that you know more of this foundational uh, um, understanding is needed. For jobs to be done, uh, you get segmentation of your audience. And so the output is um, a clear, you know, you know, persona development or segmentation. And then in other quadrants, there are other things like for usability testing, you know, you could get, you know, top five uh, most important things yep. to redesign so that it's easier to use or easier to understand. Yeah. So it's really less about the output from the workshop itself and more about the output of the activities that you decide upon in the workshop. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, was there anything else about the uh, customer question board that you were hoping to convey here today? Well, you know, I feel a little bit guilty for not doing anything special here. You know, I, I just connected um, existing frameworks and principles. Mm -hmm. Like you could Google, you know, research methodologies and you could find different things. But it, it's really about, you know, in order to change culture and increase the company's velocity towards customer centricity, you know, to be a learning culture, uh, they all just made sense to be um, put together because it is about, you know, helping the company right. uh, become more customer centric. Absolutely. Anything else about the uh, customer question board uh, that you were hoping to convey here? I would love to hear how it's used hmm. and if it's helpful for, for, for people and for teams. So um, whoever out there is trying it, uh, let me know. Uh, send me a LinkedIn message or whatever. And, um, you know, it's all about, you know, helping um, to encourage a user research mindset and culture and to have more focused conversations mm. on customer problems versus methodology, you know, just focus on the questions. And by default, you know, you're going to understand what method to use. That's great. Because uh, a lot of folks get into, um, you know, a cadence with their methods, and they just, you know, they, they, they just continue doing that. But I think what you've described here allows people to break out of that, and to allow them to ask themselves, what other methodologies should we be thinking about based on the questions we have? Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, how about a tip? Uh, do you have a career tip for folks either breaking into UX or who have been around for a while? I would say, you know, just like lean UX prototyping, um, you know, we could treat our own careers the same way. You know, lean UX is about learn by doing, making small incremental changes and iterating. And in that same vein, for our own careers, uh, we want to keep learning, iterating, and improving incrementally. You know, so if you're in a job where you you just don't think you're growing, then take action, mm -hmm. do something, and be okay with not knowing because every move is good. It's it's giving you more data to recalculate. So don't be afraid of getting it wrong because wrong is also data. Right. No, absolutely. That's a that's a great point, um, and. You know, when we have all these new experiences, we get all these new data points, and it's also learning about what we're passionate about. You may start one thing and realize you're not exactly passionate about that, but start something else in UX and realize that's your that's your gig. Whether you know you're moving from design to content, for example, or content to research, there's there's so much opportunity in UX. 
Yeah, and, and definitely what you just said about passion is it is following your passion. And then at the end, it will all make sense. Very similar to like my passion at the time was chemistry. But then I also liked, you know, visual communication. I didn't know what was going to happen. But in the long run, um, you know, I created my own uh, curriculum because I followed my passions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the wonderful thing about UX is that people have different passions, but there's a place for so many different types of people in UX, whether you are, again, a designer or uh, a, a, a researcher or a UX writer or an IA. Uh, there's just so many opportunities. Yes, definitely. All right. So um, my guest today has been Julia Cowing, who wrote the chapter Plan User Research with the Customer Question Board. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today, Julia. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Happy to. This has been a wonderful conversation. And everyone, you've been listening to the 97 UX Things podcast. This is your host, Dan Berlin. Thank you for listening. The 97 UX Things podcast is a companion to the book 97 Things Every UX Practitioner Should Know, published by O'Reilly, and all book royalties go to UX nonprofits. The theme music is Iron Lung by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I'm your host and book editor, Dan Berlin. Please remember to find the needs in your community and fill them with your best work. Thanks for listening.